What we focus on is out of the people that do schedule it, because we put it everywhere we possibly can. So I've never really figured out the percentage. I think it's a pretty low percentage that actually take us up on it. But of the ones mm -hmm. that do, the ones we track are the ones that are about to fall out of the system. So people that are frustrated or people that you know want to return it or people that aren't getting what they want out of it or their curls aren't staying. So then we help them through and 90% of those keep the iron. So that's the, the one we really focus on because we just really want people to be happy with the iron is the key thing. Do things that don't scale. That's the advice that Paul Graham, co-founder at startup accelerator Y Combinator, commonly gives to founders. Do things that don't scale just happens to sound a lot like the opposite of what many digital small business owners fret about when they exclaim, but that doesn't scale. Here's the thing. If we spend all of our time worrying about what does and doesn't scale, we don't take the very necessary steps to get to the place where scaling is even an option. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you stories of what's really working for small business owners across industries and business models. Our goal is to equip you with new ideas for discovering what works for you. Now, today, we're examining customer service that might not scale, but has helped a company create massive growth. But before we get there, let's take a closer look at this idea of doing things that don't scale. In Graham's article on the concept, he outlines how a number of today's huge companies did things that didn't scale to build their footprint. First, companies like Stripe, Airbnb, and even Facebook recruited new customers by hand. The Stripe founders personally set up new users and installed the software on their websites. The Airbnb founders literally went door to door. Facebook famously went from campus to campus signing up new users. Second, founders make deliberate choices to take small actions that build the foundation for their ability to scale up. Graham writes, quote, the right things often seem both laborious and inconsequential at the time. Now, the right things were actions like the Airbnb founders taking professional photographs of early home listings or Steve Jobs prioritizing the quality of execution of his product from fonts to packaging. Finally, Graham talks about how many successful companies have been built by over-engaging with a small group of core users in the beginning. The founders reach out, have one-on-one -on -one conversations, and find out how the product is meeting or not meeting the user's needs. It creates a feedback loop that helps the product get better and the company better understand the customer. And that leads us to today's conversation with Jacinda Smith, the creator of the Time Iron. Now, the Time Iron is a unique hairstyling tool that's meant to replace both your flat iron and your curling iron so you can create a variety of styles for medium length to long hair. Now, when you look at the Time Iron, you get it. But when you use it, well, that can be a different story. Faced with questions and even some frustration from new users, Jacinda made an interesting choice. She decided to FaceTime her customers one at a time and walk them through the process of creating the style they wanted to create with their new time iron. In other words, Jacinda made the choice to do something that doesn't scale. But instead of abandoning that choice as the company grew, she doubled down. As you'll hear, the company now employs five full 
full-time virtual stylist whose job it is to sit down with new customers one-on-one and help them style their hair with their new time iron. I had to know how this process is managed. Plus, I wanted to know how investing in this premium customer experience has benefited the company overall. And that's what this interview is all about. Now, one last thing before I introduce Jacinda, doing things that don't scale works for any size business. That means it can absolutely work for yours. Now, when I bring up doing things that don't scale, I most often hear, but I don't have time for that, or I can't afford to do that. And that's understandable. Many of the big companies I mentioned earlier were willing to take a hit to do things that don't scale at the beginning. The truth is that taking that hit might work for you too. But more likely, if you don't have the time or money to do things that don't scale, there's something out of whack with your business model and pricing. So before you give yourself an out and tell yourself that doing things that don't scale is good for someone like Jacinda, but not good for you, take a good long look at the way your business is actually functioning. And now let's find out what works for Jacinda Smith. Jacinda Smith, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on and uh, finding out that, you know, customer service is something that we pride ourselves in. And that's the way you found out about us. I just absolutely love that. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into how or and why your customer experience is as noteworthy as it is. But before we do that, I'd, I'd love to actually hear the story of how you came up with the idea of the time iron in the first place. Okay. Well, it started... Um, with my husband telling me that we couldn't afford Subway. I bought Subway for the kids one day and um, he said, we can't afford it. And I was like, what do you mean we can't afford Subway? And he was like, we can't. And so it like sent me down this desperation path of like, what more can I do to like help us out financially? And so um, I just really started thinking of an idea of like how I could add on a piece to a flat iron because I think it's such a faster way to curl for women. So I wanted to like, I started by wanting to create a a piece that adds on to them, but then I found out it had to be a whole tool and that's what led me down the path of creating it. So uh, yeah, it started out of desperation really. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I think there are, there are probably a lot easier ways to make money (laughs) than inventing a whole new product. Um, so I'm intrigued, like what happened in between there? How did you how did you kind of um, set about actually the product development behind what would become the time iron while you were thinking about like, okay, my goal here is to, you know, contribute more financially, to help out my family more. How did you navigate that process between that realization that, you know, I've I've got something that I can offer here, I've got something that I can create, um, but also with the constraint of of realizing that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and that there's, you know, there's, it can be, it can be a long process to bring a new product like that to market. Yeah. And it was, it was, it took us about two, two years from the time I had the idea um, solidified to bringing it to market. So it is a, definitely a long process. And you're right, there probably was some faster ways to make money in there. I, I didn't even think of that. I just, I, it's funny that that didn't cross my mind. It was just like, I need to do something big. 
Um, and so that's, I guess, what happened in my mind. It's interesting. No one's ever brought that up to me before. That's like, sorry, I had to really sink that one in. Um, so, um, you know, to bring it to market, the first thing I did was make a, a prototype, which we call Franken time. It's like this, like, piece that's like hacked together of a bunch of different irons to make the original iron. And it was funny because it like ripped out my hair because it has all these like plastic or, you know, like rivets in it. (laughs) And but still it curled my hair better than anything else. So I was like, wow, this could be something great. Um, So once I did that, then we had to get basically like the architectural drawing of it, which is called the CAD design. Um, When you're going into Mm -hmm. plastics, that's what you need to do. And then you have to find a manufacturer and then, you know, distributor, all of those things. So, you you know, for us, we just kind of step through the process one or two pieces at a time. And then, you know, sometimes we would overthink things and that would lead us down a rabbit hole, the wrong direction. And, and most things just kind of fell into place. If, if you were like allowing them to come into place, you know, sometimes you just think it has to be harder than that. (laughs) So Um, I suggest, you know, like allowing the pieces to fall in place, but step through the process is the best way to do it. Like one next step at a time. I think that is so wise. And I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, I think when people, you know, they've got a great idea and they're thinking about the whole process of making that thing happen, instead of just looking one or two steps ahead of where they're at. Such a great takeaway. Um, okay. Can, for those of uh, our listeners who are not familiar with the time iron, can you kind of describe it for us and sort of the, the hole or the need that it is filling in the hairstyling market? Sure. So for me, um, I have a ton of hair and it used to take me like an hour and a half to curl it. And now it takes me like somewhere between five and 10 minutes. And it's, you know, I just knew there was a faster way to curl with a flat iron, but a lot of people don't like it because of the shape or because of the technique being so hard on your wrist. So I wanted to take that and make it easy Um, because I used to try and teach my clients how to curl with a flat iron because they wanted to be able to style their hair really well. And I found the technique was so hard for people. So I wanted to make that easier. And that's what we did. We simplified it. And by simplifying the process, we also um, took the tension out of it. So when you're curling with a flat iron, it requires tension, more like curling, you know, a ribbon with a scissors. And Mm -hmm. um, this is more of like a shaping by heating and cooling more like a round brush or, you know, I always use the blacksmith example because where hair cools is where it stays. So you know how a blacksmith shapes iron and then puts it in the cold water to cool it. That's how hair mm-hmm. works. That's how hair works. So you heat it, then shape it, then cool it. And the cooling part is what makes it stay. That's why most curls drop because they are, um, heated and still, still hot while they're cooling and dropping into place. So, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And so the iron itself is sort of, um, it looks a lot like a flat iron, but it's got sort of like an asymmetrical piece to it. Can you just talk about, just briefly talk about the actual design of the thing? So, um, basically what I, because of that process of heating and cooling, what I had to do was take the iron and turn it so that you didn't have to. So the goal was to take, Mm -hmm. you know, put the twist in the tool instead of in your wrist. And so that's basically what we did. We had to pivot it behind the heat. And then there's also a piece that um, 
catches the hair and pushes it over to shape it. And that's what creates the curl. So it's being like pushed by that, that backside. And so that's why we have a patent because we, we changed the technique so much. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So the fact that you changed the technique so much though, created, I think some at least initial challenges, right? The idea is to make the process a lot easier and a lot faster for people. That was the problem that you wanted to solve. And at the same time, you're teaching somebody, you know, you're teaching a new customer something that they have literally never done before or something that they've done very differently before. And so um, it seems like there's, there's a little bit of a learning curve to use the product initially. And then once you get it, no problem. So um, you guys have come up with a really uh, interesting solution to this problem, which is offering one-on-one consultations um, every time someone purchases an iron. What prompted you initially to start offering those one-on-one consultations? Um, Well, it was pretty funny. We, you know, when we brought it to market, it was right before Christmas and we were just waiting to hear back, like, are people getting this? Are they understanding it? And then we we started getting pictures from people via social media that they were curling their hair and getting great curls. And then one girl wrote in to our customer service and she said, she said, I'm having trouble learning the technique, but I really want to get this. Can, you know, what can we do? So I think we had a couple of YouTube videos at the time, but I said, just have her FaceTime with me. If she has an Apple phone, like let's FaceTime and I'll just teacher. And so that's basically how it started. I just started FaceTiming with everybody I could. And, um, you know, and I was working two jobs at the time and I was, and I was, you know, CEO of the company. So it was a lot to balance, but it was so fun for me. Like, and it really helped me learn what people, people's challenges were. And then eventually I passed it off after about a thousand of them. I passed it off to uh, all the girls that are now doing it. Oh my word. Did you seriously do a thousand of them? Oh yeah. Probably over a thousand. I think we, we figured it out one time exactly, but it's over a thousand. Yeah. Wow. That gives new meaning to do things that don't scale. (laughs) That's brilliant. Awesome. You'll hear more about the specifics of how Jacinda and the time team run the virtual styling sessions program in just a minute. But first a word from our what works partners. What works is brought to you by mighty networks. All this month, we've been talking about customer experience here on What Works. So let's take a minute and look at the typical customer experience of someone spending $500, $1,000, $2,000 or more on an online course. First, your customer decides to buy your course in a barrage of sales emails. Then they wait by their inbox for login credentials from your course provider. They wait again for an invite from your admin to the private Facebook group you have set up for the course. Then they wait again for details on your group calls. Throughout the program, they jump between their inbox, your course platform, the Facebook group, and your group calls. And understandably, they're often confused and behind, and your team is regularly fielding questions about what is where and who can help. Now, let's imagine something different. What if your customer bought your course and was immediately directed to not only your course platform, but a community of people waiting to connect with them? What if your customer got a personal welcome message from you right inside the same platform? What if your customer could track their progress, access all of your upcoming events, and search through the site in just a few clicks? That would be a pretty dreamy scenario for your online course. And that dreamy scenario? Well, that's Mighty Networks. 
When you set up a Mighty Network for your business, you can host your courses, paid or free, online community, and sales processing all at the same spot. Your students get access to you and each other, and all of their learning activities, events, and conversation is at their fingertips. They can sit back, relax, and enjoy learning something new. You can sit back, relax, and enjoy knowing your customers are taken care of. Sound like the experience you want to create for your customers? It's time to start your Mighty Network. Go to MightyNetworks.com to start your free trial. That's MightyNetworks.com. What Works is thrilled to announce the What Works Forum. I want to figure out what works for me and my business. That's what I've heard over and over again throughout the last 11 years. Sure, it's easy to get caught up in sexy Facebook ad funnels, trendy business models, or too-good-to-be-true social media hacks. But at the end of the day, you just want to find what works for your business. And that's what What Works is all about. And it's why we developed the What Works Forum. You know, the vast majority of business courses, support, and coaches out there are trying to tell you to do business their way. Run these Facebook ads, build this sales funnel, turn your service into a product. No, no, turn your product into a service. And while learning more about how these tools and techniques work can help you find what works for you, they don't offer much support once you're on the path and making things happen. The What Works Forum is different. Our goal is to give you the support you need, no matter what tools or techniques you're using to run your business. We help you stay accountable to yourself and your plans. We help you challenge assumptions and rethink biases. We help you seize opportunities and think bigger. The What Works Forum is a 12-month small group experience specifically designed to help you build on what works for you. Here's what you get when you join us. You get two 90-minute mastermind sessions every month, January through December 2020. You get our private collaboration group within the What Works Network so you can get support 24-7. You get four quarterly all-hands planning sessions so you know you're making time to look and plan ahead. You get a monthly review process to examine what's actually working and rework what's not. And you get two optional in-person mastermind sessions, one in Los Angeles and one in Washington, D.C. The What Works Forum is an immersive, interactive, and collaborative support experience. We want to help you reach your goals doing what works for you. To learn more about the What Works Forum, go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. Okay, so what, let's say I've purchased a time iron. Um, can you walk us through the process of what it actually looks like from the customer end? Um, do, how do they receive the invitation to do a consultation? How do they book that? How does the actual consultation go? So we have um, a link on our homepage, I believe, and I think it's on our homepage. We're just migrating over to a new um, to Shopify now, um, and so anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's on our homepage and we, you can just click on a link. We also send emails, um, after, you know, after the thank you confirmation email, we send you like YouTube videos. And then we also offer the FaceTime sessions. So our style time sessions. So we, um, we just offer it everywhere. We in comments on Facebook and you just click on this link and then you go in and find a time that 
is available. We reset the schedule every two weeks. So each day, a new day opens up two weeks out from now. And then you just meet with them. Uh, The process of, you know, you find your schedule, we send you an appointment, and then, you know, like a confirmation, you click on that link, you set up just like we set up our FaceTime session, because you can go on Skype, Google Hangouts, or FaceTime. And then you just meet up with the girl and you're sitting in your bathroom. She's sitting at her desk or whatever with the iron and they just walk you through exactly how to get the curls that you want. Gotcha. So it's it's almost hands on. <laughs> it's as hands on as something virtual could be, right? Yeah. But, you know, we found like it's it's actually better than being in person because in person you want to grab the iron from the person and actually guide them through it. And this forces them to like really be in tune (laughs) and like really pay attention because when you can take it out of their hands, they kind of depend on you and you depend on you to do it. And so on FaceTime, we can teach people in like 10, 15 minutes. Most of the time in person, it seems to take longer. It's really interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, Okay. So what percentage of customers actually take you up on one of these one-on-one consultations? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I've ever figured out exactly how many have. What I what we focus on is out of the people that do schedule it, because we put it everywhere we possibly can. Um, so I've never really figured out the percentage. I think it's a pretty low percentage that actually take us up on it. But of the ones mm-hmm. that do, like 90, like a lot of times it'll be like um, they get to us and then the ones we track are the ones that are about to fall out of the system. So people that are frustrated or people that, um, you know, want to return it or people that aren't getting what they want out of it or their curls aren't staying. And they, so then we help them through and 90% of those keep the iron. So that's where, that's the, the one we really focus on because we just really want people to be happy with the iron is the key thing. Um, but I think it's it's a small percentage that actually take us up on it. But that small percentage is like, you know, it, it goes between 100 and 200 per week that are taking us up on it. Okay, that's still an amazing amount of consultations to be doing every week, which we're going to get to in just a second. Um, but the fact that few people or, or that you think maybe a small, a fairly small percentage of customers actually take you up on the consultations. Um, that leads me to think that those YouTube videos that you've mentioned are really, really important. And it sounds, you know, it seems like a YouTube video that's teaching you how to do it, or a few YouTube videos that are teaching you how to do it is a way that you can scale this sort of hands-on customer service element um, of the, of the overall experience. When did you start creating those YouTube videos and incorporating that into the customer experience? Those were right away. I remember doing them at my house um, at at Christmas. So we shipped them December um, 21st was the, or no, maybe the 17th, I think it was or something like that. And we were recording videos like right before Christmas because our Christmas tree is up in the background in most of the videos. And um, (laughs) yeah, we were just doing anything we could to teach people live. Like we wanted people to learn hands-on right in front of other people. So that's how we started it. So um, we've been building YouTube videos ever since. And it's just about getting the right YouTube video for you because we have so many different ways of teaching it for different learning curves, right? Some people learn in the mirror and some people learn from first person. So it's 
you know, it's just trying to find the balance of which one works for you. That is a really interesting point, because I think a lot of people would not consider different learning styles, different techniques of learning. And it's really interesting that that's something that you've really prioritized. How did you figure out that the style of learning or the style of teaching was an important piece of whether people got it or not? Oh, that is so funny that you asked that because like one of my struggles in life is to convince myself I'm smart enough to do anything because in school, I just struggled learning from so many of my teachers and I struggled with testing. So, you know, I feel like I've always felt like not everybody learns the same way. So I think that's so ingrained in me that that was something I didn't have to think about. I think what I have to do is hone in on a message because I am so overly considerate uh, that everybody learns so different because of my struggles in school. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that because I think, I mean, that applies so in so many different ways in so many different industries. I think we've, we've all been there um, where, you know, the, the way that the way that you're being taught doesn't entirely click. Um, and I, I love that that is the like sort of the natural way that you approach things, that, that kind of extreme empathy of like, all right, you don't get it this way. Let me try it a different way. Let me try it a different way. Let me try it a different way. That's absolutely incredible. Um, let's talk about now how your team actually manages these consultations. Cause you know, like you said, a hundred to 200 uh, consultations per week is a huge amount of volume for anyone to be FaceTiming. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's a, that's a huge chunk of work. Um, so you mentioned uh, that kind of volume. How many virtual stylists do you have actually doing the consultations? So we have um, five that are doing it like full time. And then we have two, including one is myself. So I, I meet with certain, you know, when, when we have somebody that's an extreme case that's really having some kind of hair issue that we're trying to really help them with. Cause you know, there's um, more things than the iron that we can help them with. We can help them with blow drying. Um, there's tons of scalp issues out there. There's lots of, you know, like stylists gone wrong issues um, that a lot of people don't realize, you know, cause they trust their stylist so much. And sometimes it's really challenging for them to recognize that their stylist is creating the challenges for them, or there's even huge shampoo and conditioner problems that, you know, people don't realize that's where it's coming from. So, you know, in extreme cases, um, I get involved and go on FaceTime with people. And then, um, but then we also have six other girls that are doing it all the time. Wow. Okay. Uh, I love also that you're looking at this kind of very holistically, where it's not just about product education, but it's really about creating the best experience and the best, uh, kind of the best overall outcome for your customers. And the time iron is, is just one piece of that puzzle. Absolutely love that. So in these consultations, is there a particular process or procedure that your stylists follow? Or is it, you know, kind of make it up as you go? Um, you know, it's interesting, because I haven't um, walked through it with the girls recently, but I think most of the time we just say, you know, pick up your iron because lots of people will just be picking it up wrong. And that's all they have to do is switch their grip on it. It's, it's a super simple fix and that fixes everything. And then there's a, can I see your motion? And once you see their motion, you know exactly what they're doing wrong. And then it's just about connecting the dots for them. So all right. it's, it's really Excellent. quite simple. And then after the first, like, 
10 minutes once you have them curling, usually you're teaching them how to amp up the style, how to use the iron in different ways so that they can get different kinds of curls because there's so many different types of curls that can be created with it and it can straighten. So, you know, it's just helping them maximize their time at that point. Gotcha. And how long is the average consultation? Um, the girls are saying it's about, you know, within 15 minutes they're done, but sometimes they'll stay on with the girl just because they want more, you know, like they just want to amp up the look or whatever. So yeah, so it's usually, gotcha. uh, they're usually scheduled for 30 minutes though, so that it gives ample time to do it. Wow. That's, that is considerable. Okay. Is there a kind of reverse feedback process that you have in place? Like, is there, um, some sort of process by through which your stylists are actually coming back to the product development team or the marketing team and saying, here's what we're noticing, um, through these consultations? Yeah, we, um, our company is very virtual oriented. So we have um, Slack and that's how our company um, communicates across the board with all the stylists because they work from home and, and different team members do. So we communicate in Slack. So we have a stylist channel where we get all kinds of feedback. I need help. This girl's curls aren't staying. And then we usually recommend sending them our shampoo and conditioner because they're geared towards, you know, hairstyles staying um, and maximizing mm. that. And so then like, if they just ever run into issues, it's very, very rare that they run into an issue with somebody. Sometimes like they have a new keratin treatment or something that it's just something like that we have to have put another stylist with them. And then they usually find this, the solution. Um, so we have the stylist channel and then we also have the cheer time channel, which is our customer service feeds us you know, different things that come in positive feedback so that everybody can see what's working really well. Um, and so that that channel is huge. It's crazy how much good feedback we get, which I love to see. Yeah. Um, all right. And then how are you tracking the effectiveness of the consultations? Um, I'm sure some of that is happening on your cheer time channel, <laughs> but, um, you know, are there any kind of metrics that you're following in terms of, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, and, and sort of the satisfaction level of your, the customers that you're getting in these co consultations? Um, we do have Zendesk feedback. So we, we have different, uh, what are they called? Surveys we send out to people and then they, they give feedback on, you know, how, how good everything went and everything like that. So we do do that periodically. And then through cheer time and, you know, our customer service is, you know, we really geared our customer service towards being like what Nordstrom is like. We just want people to really have a great experience with us um, across the board. And so, you know, we just, we do everything we can to talk directly with them and help them with their experience. Got it. Is there anywhere that you still feel like friction in the process of getting customers to love their time irons? Um, yeah, I think there there's definitely because my dream would be they pick it up, they get it, we move on, right? Like it's it's great. Mm -hmm. They they get the style they want and everything. But there's definitely um friction in a couple of ways. One you know, we have to balance like the e-commerce part of our website versus the load time. Um, so, you know, I'd like to put more videos on our website, which we're doing as we migrate over to Shopify. And I'd also like to get the right videos on top of YouTube because that's a hard, like a challenging thing for us to balance because of, 
you know, some of them have so many views, but some of them are way more helpful to people. So um, I want to make sure that that they're getting the right videos. So trying to find the right video for the right person is something I need to really key in on this year to make sure that YouTube is organized in a way where people can find it. And also our website and getting the videos on there in a, in a way that they can really find the information that we're putting out. Because we're putting out tons of information. Every Wednesday, I do a live show teaching people styles on Facebook. And, and you can just go in there and directly you know, ask us questions. And on Instagram, you know, if, if I go live and somebody asks to go live with me, I can do a FaceTime session right there. So, you know, we, we're doing everything we can to take out the friction. It's just letting everybody know that all those are available, I think is one of the biggest things for us. Yeah. It's, it sounds like these one-on-one consultations really are, they're driving how you think about scaling this customer experience um, and how you can, it's sort of like, it sounds like it is a beautiful feedback loop (laughs) that you are just trying to figure out how to use even better to your advantage. I mean, it sounds like you're taking amazing advantage of it already um, and that your points of friction are just like, how can we do this even better than we're doing it already? That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. One of the one of our best ads we've ever done is, um, you know, I recorded a FaceTime session um, with somebody and her reaction was so priceless. We actually call it the reaction video because she like was so animated in her reaction to her curl popping because she thought it was so difficult in her first curl pop because I just walked her through it. It was so great. It was like the most classic thing. So that's what I love is that, you know, with the style times like that, we get like so much direct feedback on what's going on and new ways to teach people. And, and yeah, it's just very fun. Very cool. Uh, Jacinda, what are you really excited about right now? Or what's coming down the line that you're excited about? I think I'm most excited. We're, we're coming out with a new color because um, there's a lot of fraud irons out there copying us. And so I wanted to get ahead of them this Christmas. And I'm we're putting out like a marble look one and it's called the Stark iron because I really have been inspired by um, a lot of Starks in the world. And I also believe Stark has a really great definition. So I don't know if you know any Starks that you've been inspired by in the last year, but (laughs) there's a lot of them out there. They're really cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Jacinda Smith, thank you so much for uh, sharing what's going on inside of uh, time and how you are helping people love their time irons through these one-on-one consultations. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it and love, love talking with you today. Find out more about Jacinda Smith and the time iron at timestyle.com. That's T-Y-M-E style.com. Next time, you'll hear from Linda Lopek from Smart Start Coaching. Linda and I talk about her rigorous onboarding process for new clients, including how it helps her select the right people to work with, sets those people up for success, and helps new clients feel at ease as they do their deep work. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 250 more candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today at explorewhatworks.com.